Welcome to another episode of the Icky Guy Project. Man, Peter, it's hard to believe we're already at the end of season three. As a way to wrap up this season of the podcast, you know, we, we wanted to come back together for a bit of a recap of our favorite lessons, you know, aha moments, and you know what we're planning on moving forward with. And I'm excited to do a bit of a retrospective with you today, Peter, and uh, just look at where we've come from and and what we've covered this season. Yeah, for sure, Mark. And it's been seven episodes now. This is our eighth. Uh, and since we last checked in, which was around the halfway point in episode four, we've really had a variety of guests coming in covering a, a variety of different topics from modern eldership, growing into old age, being more curious, and human potential and movement. Um, out of all the episodes and themes that we covered within those, uh, what was what were what really stuck out for you? Yeah, we basically checked in about halfway through the season. And so thinking about those guests that we've had since episode four, I think it's really been interesting to to look at the opportunity that's available to all of us to learn and grow at any age. You know, it was interesting to to speak with David Marlowe, for example, and hear about how one day he decided recently within the last couple of years to take on a daily writing practice and write about Icky Quest and his pursuit of Icky Guy and others um, every day for for now it's going over a year strong. And I thought that was really interesting and, and neat, you know, how how that could come about. And of course, we had David Wilson and he talked about his non-negotiable allotment of time every day to be curious, to have that 10 minutes or so to move his body and um, have play, which, you know, I thought was pretty interesting. And with PAX more recently, what stuck with me that I think about as fueling my why for doing this podcast with you, Peter, is just he talked about us actually more off air on, on this, but just how we need to have more forums like the Ikigai Project to discuss philosophical and meaty topics. And that in our society or among friend groups these days, it's not often you can have these deep, rich conversations on some of these areas like transitions or finding your purpose as we do here on the, on the podcast. So I'm really grateful for that. You know, it's, it's too often that things can feel a bit bite-sized and ephemeral. There's so much content coming at us these days. And so we truly do need people coming together and and practicing together and being our own philosophers, um, you know, like they used to do in in, an old age and old age time. So how how about you? Is, Is there anything that's sticking out? Yeah, I think a lot of what you just mentioned with the two Davids, um, modern eldership and and growing into the best version of ourselves as we grow older and, and, and not just, you know, finishing per se a transition, but evolving, you know, having that growth mindset, which I'm sure will be a topic that we'll bring up again, really stuck out for, for me um, hearing from, you know, people who have gone down the path ahead of us. Uh, definitely with Pax, you know, I, I love his focus on movement, bringing more of that into our lives. Um, and yeah, I one thing I really appreciate about Pax was how he brought this, you know, scientific mindset to health and wellness and, you know, kind of making yourself a little bit of a guinea pig and seeing what works for you and and, and learning from, from research and um, and all that. So there's a lot that we, I'm sure we'll unpack in this episode. Um, and yeah, playing on that, when you talk about Pax's insight there, something that stuck with me is he talked about body awareness. And I always think about self-awareness really being a more mental or intellectual exercise. And 
I just, I, I love that idea that he brought time and again in his whole conversation around just being in the body, being more acting than doing, or sorry, acting than thinking. And um, yeah, that really came across is how, how, as you said, do you track what you eat and see how it makes you feel? Do you feel energized? What about your sleep? And have those little micro experiments. Um, and uh, one thing also that I wanted to touch on was going back to what, what David Wilson said a couple episodes ago around identity. Um, I know that that was something you were talking to me about. What a, what about identity was interesting for you? Yeah, you know, I started this th- season thinking how important identity was in our lives. Um, you know, I brought up this concept that was shared in the Atomic Habits where every action that you do, every habit that you have every day is contributes to your identity. It's kind of like voting on your identity, right? Like every habit is a vote for who you are. And after, let's say, 365 days, you do this action, whether it's, you know, 10 minutes of movement or eating healthy or, you know, saying something nice to your partner, whatever it is that helps construct your identity. And I, and I still prescribe to that, but with, with David Wilson, you know, he brought up the fact that holding on to your old identity was harming him. Um, you know, when he was going through this kind of transition moment from being a martial artist, but no longer feeling connected to that community you know, being that type of person or like that martial arts specialist actually hurt him because that was kind of a connection to his values um, or his the value, the self-worth that he had to him, had for himself. So while identity can serve us in a way when we can say, hey, I'm a marathon runner or I'm a straight A student, um, they can also stall our growth mindset where what if you get that B? Are you are you no longer that straight A student? Are you no longer valuable? What if you get injured and you can't run that marathon next month? Are you, are you no longer uh, an athlete? No, you know, um, there's there's a, a pitfall that comes with being so tied to your identity and being more flexible with who you are and you know how you define yourself. Um, you you create a little bit more space. You cl- create a little bit more fluidity. And the truth is, in all transitions in our lives, we're going to have to be beginners, you know, and when we're a beginner, we have to put aside some of the identities that we have and just be, yeah, a beginner, being willing to learn and explore, fail, learn, repeat that process. And so there's something there around identities that I've learned and I think I've evolved a little bit across my, uh, you know, the conversations that we've had this season. Yeah, they, they, they're not calcified. They're not static. They they can evolve and serve you as you please. And, and Pax was quick to talk about that as we wrapped up with him. He was talking about uh, not wanting to get stuck on something and feel like this is it. This is me. This is who I am. I'm an anxious person. Right. End of story. If those are things you want to be able to change, you can take those micro steps day by day and slowly unwind those pathways and shift to where you want to go. And um, conversely, there might be things about who we are, our identities, like you said, that really do serve well and um, taking advantage of those. So it's interesting. I definitely agree that being cautious and aware of who we are and what we're becoming is an important takeaway. For sure. Yeah. So looking back at this season, you know, we've explored this 
theme of transitions and, and every episode we kind of kicked it off with each guest that we had. Um, what are some patterns that you noticed, Mark? Is there anything that stood out for you? Yeah, it would be funny if there was someone listening as the first episode to this episode. But if you didn't know, we've got to have explored, you know, what does transition mean to each of our guests and the conversations that we've had? And thinking about that a bit more, it's been pretty cool to see some patterns coming up. And this is something I'm really passionate about because, yes, like, you know, some guests have mentioned we're always changing, but I do think that there are times in our life where we can accelerate that and put the throttle on or pull it back and really create structure and habit and routine. And right now, for me, I would say in many ways in my personal journey, this has been a huge transition year. And so it's been fun to ruminate on this and hear and, and synthesize how all of our guests thought about it. And I think one of the things that really stuck with me was just this idea of mindset. And we can take transitions and really turn them into a positive experience or vice versa. And so being aware of that, I think it's especially difficult when the transition is abrupt and it hasn't been something that we were anticipating. It's happened to us. Nonetheless, even in those moments, there's opportunity to see opportunity, right? And mindset is is really critical to consider. So that was that was something. Any, anything that's standing out for you, Peter? Yeah. Um, you know, I, part of what sparked this topic of transitions in the first place was this book, Mark, you and I uh, talked about uh, called Transitions, literally by Bill Bridges uh, or William Bridges. Um, and it's it's worth a read for folks who are going through transitions or feel like they're stuck somewhere uh, or maybe coming to an end of, you know, something in their life. And what made me think about um, the three stages of transitions, obviously an ending and a beginning, but there's this middle stage, which is the neutral zone, which I feel like Mark kind of feels like where you are, where you're exploring a whole bunch of different options and ideas and opportunities. And sometimes we kind of want to rush through this neutral zone and just get it over with and just start something new. But it's in this neutral zone that the most richest ideas and questions and you know, thoughts come up and, and embracing a little of that discomfort is something that I've noticed our guests bring up on occasion when maybe they were let, laid off and they needed to find a, a new kind of path to explore. Uh, they didn't just try to rush into what, what felt safe. They they explored the questions that came up and and discovered, you know, what it is that they want to connect to the the, the the why, right, that we often talk about, but not just kind of the surface level, but digging deeper and really understanding, you know, what do I really want in my life and, and pursuing that? And sometimes it's not even pushing to find answers. It's just turning the dial of our observation and being attuned to our environment, who we're talking to, what we're noticing. And so what you're talking about from that book reminds me of what Andrea Fruling mentioned about liminal space and her analogy about entering or leaving from a room and entering a hallway, but not yet in that next room and finding some trust in yourself, believing in yourself that it's okay to be in that space of unknowing in that hallway that's a bit daunting and sticking with it and not taking the temptation to pull the emergency hatch and stick to what we know and maybe like rush to find that job or something that we we know is safe or going to provide us comfort and to the degree we can just holding space in that in that hallway and um yeah that metaphor has stuck with me many times over the past many months 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, what else, what else stood out for you in this season uh, in terms of themes or patterns? Yeah. I mean, well, you're catching me fresh here as we record this coming from uh, a beautiful camping experience for a couple of days uh, with my wife, Jessica. And it's such a simple thing, but I think just coming off of that, as I was thinking about transition and rereading and, and hearing our, our episodes was just how heavily influenced changes by the environments that we put ourselves in, you know, who we surround ourselves with the people, you know, you're the product of the five or so people you talk to the most, for example, um, or just kind of the environment, the city we live in, or how we surround our homes um, can influence us in obvious and unconscious ways. And why I use the camping example was just, I lately, it's funny, I was telling you this off air, but it's, it's hard to believe that for someone who's not working, I found myself last week feeling a bit overstretched and uh, having too many commitments. But by stepping away and going camping for a couple of days and being in nature, unplugging a bit, that environment stimulus was so rich. And probably there's, you know, packed for here, lots of nature benefits and getting sunshine and being illuminated by the greens and the trees. But I do think coming back, I just had a reset and a bit of a recharge and I'm ready to head into some of the things I have going on with um, a lot of a lot of energy. And so I, I think it's just important as we think about transitions and change to recognize that. And if we can't always afford a, a lavish holiday, maybe in our own backyard, we can just change our environment up, go somewhere for the day or what have you and mix up routine. Yeah, I, I love that. Not, it's not just kind of the mental, emotional transition, but physical transition too. I know coming out of a workout, I'm I'm generally feeling a lot better. It's it, it yeah, who you surround yourself with, with, where you are, really makes a big difference. Um, and it's easy. I know I'll be the first to raise my hand that it's like super easy to just like end up doing the same thing every morning. Um, and yeah, kind of forgetting that small tweaks can make a, a really really big difference. Well, would you just just playing on that, Peter, uh, to to see both sides of the coin? I also this summer have made a conscious effort. I mean, we're kind of we filled our boots with some international travel and and we've been around more and I've been like training more for an upcoming running race. And it's been really great, actually, to accelerate change in some aspects by having consistency in other parts. It was very hard, for instance, to be healthy quote unquote, and right. eat good food and exercise regularly when you're constantly on airplanes and hopping in and off trains and you have no control over your meals to a certain degree. And so, you know, sometimes it is good to have some constants to be able to push to a new level in other areas of one's life. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting to think about the many ways that it can play out. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense because we only have a certain amount of time and resources available for trying to maximize one area uh or actually i should say all areas at once that's just a recipe for disaster so you know kind of what we'll get into this in the aha moments but one of the takeaways i had from my com our conversation with pax was the the importance of goal setting and really finding out why you're doing this and why this particular thing is important um because then that will tie you to it to, it's a long term and not it's not just a you know, two week thing, but genuinely tied to a long term strategy that you have. And yeah, reprioritizing things based on your capacity and, and what, you know, what time you have available as, as well. I love that. And, and sometimes, you know, we talked about the goal isn't always clear, but 
to to start at least with a hypothesis and an intuition to then test and iterate on, I think is important. And Jess and I are talking a lot about interviewing and and jobs and everything, especially as she's getting more involved in her next chapter. And yeah, it's been like one of those things where we've talked over the dinner table about, okay, like, what is your North Star? What are the non-negotiables you want to be considering as you're meeting with prospective employers? And what are the things that um, you're going to hold on to as the life you want to build? And maybe what are the role? What's the role after this role that you want to be working into in the medium to long term? Because sometimes knowing where you want to go, it can change, but can can help make sure that the ship is steered in the right direction. Right, right. Can we pause on that, actually? Because I think it's valuable for, for people to hear maybe a little bit of how you're thinking about that right now. And I think it ties to some of the other aha moments that we've had. But in terms of crafting that North Star, what are you thinking about or what are you and Jess talking about to really fine tune what that is, um, how bright it shines, you know, kind of using that metaphor further? What, what, What kind of topics came up around that North Star? Well, I mean, in a simplest sense, uh, as David Marlowe would call it, the Venn garden, right? You go back and look at kind of the visuals that have been created to represent the reason for being with Ikigai. And it's like, okay, what what do you love? What are you good at? What does the world need? And what, you know, will the economy pay you for? And I think those are the types of conversations we're having, really, not to not to sound so... Um, literal with with the theme of the Ikigai project, but it's like, how are those overlapping and where can we find harmony? Um, and I think to get there, it does require maybe re, redoing some assessments or some things that can just help you as tools to know who you are as a person and what are some of the things you like to do, because sometimes it's not always clear. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a, there's a blueprint or a go-to playbook for figuring out the North Star, if there was, it probably would be something all of us would already have fine-tuned. And that's what makes it fun, right? It's kind of like this bumpy journey that you figure out through trial and error throughout a lifetime, right? And um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, I certainly don't have any um, illuminating answers here. But when I was going through my career transition a couple of years ago, um, I came up with three words that helped me really focus in on what I wanted to do, which was um fun creative innovative work and i know that sounds kind of like wishy-washy a little little woo -woo, just like do fun creative innovative work but it helped me stick to my guns a little bit more when i was looking for opportunities obviously there were certain realities that somebody with my experience you know couldn't uh, become like a filmmaker tomorrow but um and not that i couldn't have but you know in general if i was looking for work that kind of matched my experience um, you know, I, I need to live within that realm, but still have like a direction and what would really get me excited. Um, so that kind of helped me keep motivated and moving that, hey, I have this vision of work that looks like this. Um, and you know, I think I'll have to adjust along the way, like that's a hypothesis, but at least it gives me direction uh and I'll hit different ports. Um, or, you know, high waters al along the way, but it, it at least uh, helped me get to where I am today. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I think, you know, just 
having the conversation is a starting point. I, lo- I love the fact that you and Jess as a team are talking about it, especially cause like you're in the same, um, you know, situation, you know, looking for a uh, new opportunity. So yeah, I really love that you have that partner to, to talk about it with. Yeah, I do think it's, it's, it's a great uh, gift that we've been given that we are kind of both in this arena um, and we can kind of figure it out together and help support each other. I like what you said there about just having some words and and crystallizing them to create intentions because intentions are really powerful. Mm-hmm. I do know for me, um, when we do talk about where where I might be heading next, impact and and doing something I believe in is really important. And um, was lucky I was able to find that in many ways in Slack. With this new step, I want to make sure that I can maybe ratchet that up even more so if possible. And so it, it's it's. Not everyone needs to feel like they're making an impact or that they believe in what they're doing in their occupation and how they get paid. And I think that's totally reasonable. I do know enough about myself to know that to a certain degree, that's not the case for me. And I do need to believe in what I'm doing. And um, I think that's very powerful in knowing that that's a main criteria, right? It helps it helps eliminate a lot of opportunities and it helps um, open up and, and clarify others. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And something that I've noticed about you, just knowing you through, I think most of your career at at this point, you are definitely a uh, impact, you know, values oriented person. So um, seeing you, you know, I, I, I can't imagine you in a role where you don't believe what you're, you know, selling or what you're marketing. Um, I think that's a really important observation and belief that I admire in you and and that you're continuing to carry that through uh throughout your your career so so yeah my my friends tease me a lot uh in a fun way uh because it extends even to brands that I buy right if right. I find something that I like <laughs> I'm gonna shout from the rooftops I yeah so um it's become a bit of a a running gag that uh, oh there's Mark again just emphatically talking about his his new passion um but I love that I think like I'm a I'm a brand or a company's best friend if if they can get to me so if you're hearing this uh <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll go and get some free swag <laughs> yeah <laughs> well so you know, while we're on some aha moments, is there anything else that stuck out for you from this season or in the last three episodes? Yeah, maybe, maybe I can, we haven't, we haven't touched yet on the conversations we had with Diana. It's, it's been cool yeah. to see kind of the, the behind the scenes stats on, on the episodes. And I would say that the conversation with Diana, both anecdotally and also just from seeing what the downloads were, was a really popular one. A lot of people shared feedback with me, like, hey, this was a, a resonating topic and conversation. The raw, you know, unfiltered perspective, I think Diana's personality really shined through in that. But just talking about transitions in the context of romantic relationships and more importantly, friendships was very powerful and something that um, has carried with me since that that chat. And that was, you know, episode three. And we were talking about the importance of friendship and how maybe as we get to our 30s or as we build families, friendships can take a bit of a back burner and a backseat. And um, what I loved about many things that were shared in that conversation, one of them was Diana talking about how we are multidimensional beings and that there are sides of who we are that just don't come out in certain relationships. 
you know, who we are as a husband or a partner or a wife or whomever is different than who we might be with a bunch of our friends, uh, which, which is also different than who we might be in our workplace or who we might be teaching uh, kids soccer, you know. So I think it's just important to recognize that we're multifaceted. And I, I that stuck with me with what Diana shared. And we, we want to find those opportunities, for instance, to nurture friendships because it can bring out different parts of who we are that might not otherwise have a voice and be seen. Uh, and I love that. And um, I also loved how she talked about how people value friendships differently, but there's no common playbook. And so it's really hard to navigate, especially when you have a conflict or something difficult. And I think just like acknowledging that has been so helpful because um, it, it provides a bit of um, context and maybe a bit of um, opportunity for understanding or trying to understand when somebody maybe does something that can can be challenging. I'm trying to have a bit more forgiveness knowing that like we don't have a set playbook. Yeah, for sure. I I, I really enjoyed that conversation with Diana and I, I think her vulnerability and willingness to open up really stood out. And I think that's part of the reason why it was such a powerful episode for so many people. Um, and, you know, her talking about her, her breakup and what she learned from that, like from a romantic relationship standpoint, like we've all gone through difficult, you know, situations like that, but, um, just hearing how she was able to learn and grow from that was really powerful. And, and now in a really happy relationship, you know, getting married last year. And um, there is definitely opportunity for us to bring Diana back for more episodes. <laughs> I think she's a fan favorite already. Uh, I think on a personal side, uh, so, you know, my fiance and I have uh, are going to get married at this point in time when we're recording 13 days from now. So it's really coming whoop, whoop. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're really excited about that. But one thing that we've done actually proactively is to seek out um, a couples therapist. I don't even know if I've mentioned this to you, Mark, yet. Uh, or yeah. When well, yeah. we were in Boston. Yeah, we talked about it. We did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's been really interesting talking to a therapist who, you know, obviously a third party and has had a lot of experience talking to other couples. Um just having a that person create that space for us to talk through, you know, maybe some of the challenges that we're having right now. Um, and, you know, just being able to articulate where that's coming from and why. Oftentimes when we get into arguments in a, as a as a couple, it's like more about the thing that's happening, not about like why it's happening. And when you kind of peel back the onion, it's typically it's just like the younger version of us just wanting attention or wanting space or whatever it is, but we just don't know how to react. So, you know, um, I found it really powerful to uh, seek out some therapy in that, in that space. And I know, you know, May has as well. And um, yeah, what's really cool too, I know I'm going into a bit of a tangent, but hopefully this is interesting. The, the therapist brings background from the, the Gottman Institute. Uh, they, you know, uh, Gottman's the the author who wrote like the seven principles of how to make marriage work. And, um, you know, there's a lot of science be behind what makes uh, uh, or what they've seen make relationships work or don't work. And they made us do a, a survey at the very beginning to identify areas that are working, that aren't working, that are kind of neutral. And having that as like a baseline has been really, really helpful. Um, 
so you know we still have more sessions to go through but um just really important that in any point in your relationship uh it helps to just kind of have that third party you know coach us through some of the challenges and oftentimes it's really down to fixing seeing things within ourselves or or shifting our mindset in a different way so yeah bit of a tangent but you know sparked from the the conversation we we had with Diane. Yeah, I'm so glad that you shared because I think it's something that a lot of people could benefit from. And Jess and I haven't taken that on in, in a similar way, but we've tried one-off sessions where we've just wanted to do a bit of self-discovery as a couple. Can you can you talk a little bit about the what sparked it or or how like I think some people talk about the value of couples therapy and maybe it get shot down when they bring it up with their partner or they just talk about it, but they never do it. As Pax would say, they don't actually put their skin in the game. So was there anything that helped you all in, in making a decision to, 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 to take action? Yeah. Oh, I think first of all, it, it helps that both of us don't have um, much of a stigma around therapy. You know, both of us have our own therapists. So, you know, we know the value that comes out of it. Couples therapy was, a little bit different in that, you know, obviously there wasn't a, anything like a fire burning or anything, but we did want to be proactive. So, um, you know, I think what helped was there's a, there's an article on the New York times that I think might've even come up in our conversation with Diana, where it's like 50 questions to fall in love or something like that. Um, you know, we started with that when we started dating and like, we liked the idea of questionnaires, um, idea like ways for us to open us open up a little bit more which then led to us picking up the book around the seven principles so um i would suggest you know if this is interesting to you as one part of the partnership and you want to bring it up to your partner don't go in with like hey let's do therapy the next day especially the other person might not be familiar with it or comfortable with it but just maybe have some intermediary steps where it's a book or it's a I don't know, a podcast episode that you both listen to, um, something that just helps you introduce uh, it to, uh, int introduce it to the partnership um, in, a, in a safer way. Uh, and, you know, if, if, if there is interest, then really make it clear that it's like, hey, nothing is wrong. Um, you know, we're going to get married in X months or, hey, we just got married. This is a great time before things, you know, something happens. Let's build up our resilience as a, as a partnership, um, rather than like trying to catch up, you know, years later. So maybe those, those tips will help. I mean, really take it at your own, you know, speed. It's your relationship, you know, best, but, uh, if you don't start like to your point with packs, like if you don't take an action forward, it's, it's never going to happen. So, um, yeah, small steps. That's great. I, I think, and, and probably inspiring for a lot of listeners, myself included, that you have that proactivity built into your relationship as you think about, you know, an exciting milestone coming up in a couple of weeks. So, um, but yeah, just, just as we we're trying to think about looking ahead, Peter, you've been doing this podcast now for this will be the end of your third season. What, as you think about Icky Guy, you know, we talked a bit about it throughout the whole conversation today, but you know, are there any new revelations or new reflections that's coming up for you as you think about how you're thinking about Icky Guy in this ongoing project over these seasons? Yeah, yeah, it's 
um it's funny where when you just said like i've been doing it for three seasons now yes i feel i feel like i'm in grade three just trying to like <laughs> just adding up the years uh yeah you know ikigai is just like one of those things that's constantly evolving for for me i think year by year you know some years it's been a lot clearer than others um some years it's like yeah i was just kind of waiting forward and trying to figure it out especially the first season i think i was just like interviewing people for the sake of interviewing people just because i wanted to you know glean some insight and get some you know some of my friends some interesting people um sharing about their lives uh so you know i think with each year it's been a little bit different um but it does show that you guys something you have to work on like you can't just put it into autopilot and say, okay, you know, let's go, let's go autopilot for the next five years with Ikigai. It, it just doesn't work that way. Like from a goal setting standpoint, when you're thinking about Ikigai, you really do need to kind of bring down the time horizon to, you know, maybe like every three months kind of reflecting on what did you have fun? Like, wh where did you have the most fun? What was most valuable to you? Who did you connect with? Um, so that you don't like look back, you know, six, 12 months later and think, oh, I, I've been doing this, but I haven't really been enjoying it. So there's a little bit of like reflection that um, needs to be a part of your process on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. Um, so that continues to, to stay top of mind. And I, I be first to admit, like, you know, maybe in the last year and a half, I've fallen off of the reflection bandwagon. Uh, you know, just because I haven't had the time and I haven't prioritized it. So it is really important to craft some of that reflection time in and then keep that that North Star we were talking a little bit earlier crisp for, for you, you know, um, now that I'm two years removed from my career transition that I went through, I need a new North Star. And what does that look like? How do I define it? Like it, it, it does take constant work to make sure that that star, the brightness is shining because that can get dimmed as you kind of get into life's busyness. So long-winded answer, but that's where I'm at these days. It's great. And I, I saw parallels. I mean, part of the reason we got to this topic was because you mentioned in the context of being in a relationship with May and, you know, doing therapy or doing exercises that help create couples reflection. I mean, you, like you said, it, it it's not going to happen overnight. It's something that you have to build as part of the identity, uh, identity, back to what we talked about earlier, but as part of the who you guys are as, as a couple. And so, you know, on an individual level, the sicky guy, like you mentioned, it, it takes time to nurture. And if you'd humor me for a second, I, I, you know, would be happy just to popcorn style, throw at you just what we, we basically talk about this with every episode. I mean, Andrea mentioned exactly what you're saying that it's, Ikigai is always changing for her right now. It's about a love for learning and she gets to be a cheerleader for clients that she works with and family is also important. Diana, as we already mentioned, talked about Ikigai being the quality of relationships and it was about being connected to others. You and I, we talked about community, uh, being intentional with our time and recognizing time as its own currency and value. David talked about the importance of looking for ways to be creative and release things to the world with his writing and living with integrity. And that when we don't live with our true authentic self, it creates a cognitive dissonance within us. Um, and so that's why if you guys really important for everybody, because whether you do it or not, you're going to be feeling it on a subconscious level. Um, and then going back to David, he talked about it being love 
And how could he love today? How could he love himself? And how could he bring that curiosity and compassion and playfulness to his everyday? Uh, and then bring it back to PAX, you know, as we already talked about, not feeling stuck on things, being in the physical world, trying things and experimenting. I think a lot of that tied into his. So it's interesting to kind of just look at it in aggregate. And, and uh, I'm learning a lot about my reason for being through these conversations with guests. And I'm very grateful for that. So that's such a great summary. And uh, hopefully with each uh, interviewee guest that you heard, hopefully you can go back and listen to that that episode. Um, Mark, this is your first season on the Guy Project. And uh, I I just have to say, first of all, this season wouldn't have happened without you. Um, You were the the yeoman behind all of these episodes, uh, you know, preparing the show notes getting the guests, uh, you know, doing our social. If you've seen us on social, that is Mark's Mark's work. And it, you really brought your passion and energy to, to this partnership and to this podcast. Um, so I couldn't thank you enough, but I'm curious, you know, fresh eyes, having done one season of this, what what stood out for you from your perspective with Ikigai? What, what, did you, what are you taking away? Yeah, I, thank you. That's very kind of you. Uh, gratitude to me is central uh, to my key guy, making sure that we appreciate every day, uh, especially with some of the stuff I've been reading and engaging in right now. It's like <laughs> the future is going to look a lot different than than today. And so, um, yeah, it's also hilarious that you gave me a shout out on social media. <laughs> I <laughs> I, uh, I think if we keep doing this, we might have to hire somebody else to, to take that on. It's definitely not a, a passion uh, as been a been a running joke. But no, I think, guy. Yeah. yeah, not yeah. my icky guy. Social media is not in there. But I think, um, yeah, it's been it's been really great. I mean, selfishly, I I have these wonderful conversations to come back to at any point. I feel lost on my journey on figuring out how to work through a transition. I've heard people who have recommended this to strangers or to friends of friends where they just knew that they just got laid off or they're in a situation that's really difficult. Maybe they lost a loved one, who knows? And maybe it's not the whole season, it might just be an episode, but in some small localized way, it's been very fulfilling to know that we're helping, you know, in in little ripples, uh, people's lives. And um, that's been something that I'm very grateful for the opportunity for and that, that you opened the invitation to co-host together. So thank you so much. Um, you know, if it's helpful, I'll just share kind of some of the things that that I've been doing lately as I think about where I might head probably over the fall. Um, yeah, just in going back to that idea of purpose being part of my, my North Star. And also just with all the traveling we've done, I've just been very touched by seeing nature being amongst the beauty of the trees and forests and seeing mountain ranges and all that fun stuff from Patagonia to Korea and everything in between New Zealand. And so I think, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a highly spiritual person, but I do think I was telling Jess the other day, I do think mother nature and like the health of the planet is, is one of my, my key, um, connectors. And so between that, and also just thinking about maybe hopefully in the sometime, not so distant future, having a family and wanting my child or child children to appreciate the beauty of nature on hikes and camping trips that I could have with them the way that I have has been a a big motivator for what I've been up to lately. Um, I've been taking this part-time course it's called Terra.do. 
And um, it's all been about educating in the climate change space. Um, for a multitude of reasons, I think this is a good area for focus from a passion standpoint and my love of the outdoors, but also uh, finally, actually, which is great, and kind of the the world that we live in and the the ever focus on growth uh, that companies have and the stock market and everything in between, there are market effects that are working in the right direction to reduce the cost of solar energy, renewables, um, and so many other things. And then out of necessity, I do think that there are going to be a huge focus on green jobs or working to help curb carbon emissions over the next 10 years and greater because we are heating up as a planet. And um, yeah, I think for me, getting educated on the space was like step one. And this program has been phenomenal. And just like going deep on the actual science and the data of like how severe the situation is and 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 it's becoming, but also an empower me with, with ideas on how to take action and what are the innovations and the solutions and the human ingenuity that's coming through to help us adapt whether or not we can fully uh, reduce emissions to net zero or build resilience to get ready for a hotter world in the summer and a more wet world in certain parts, depending on where you live, um, has been also super empowering and encouraging. And so I'm 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 having hope as well. But I'll I'll pause there and just see what what, what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. Like it's such important, um, such an important topic, and um, doesn't. You know, obviously we talk about it often and it's in the news, but it often feels a little disconnected from what we can do um, and then the small actions that we can take. But to have somebody like you and, you know, um, in my community, somebody to consider a really, really good friend, you know, I can I will be most certainly going back to you to ask questions on like, how do I do this? What 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 should I start you know thinking about for my family? for my community, for the greater, you know, world. Um, there's so much that Mark, I, I would love to talk to you about. And I, I know our guests too, um, cause you have this really great background of both, you know, um, business experience and, and the savviness and the acumen that you have there and combining it with the, the environmental space. I think there's just more energy that needs to be literally more energy that needs to be put into that. So, um, yeah, excited to hear more about it in, uh, in the future from you, where, where can people stay in touch with you? I mean, we obviously have these episodes, but let's, let's throw it back on us, uh, to share. Where... Oh man, people are probably tired of me at this point, but yeah, I mean, if you're hearing this and you want to stay in touch, um, you can find me on LinkedIn, I suppose, um, or managing the Iggy guy <laughs> social, social media, you could hit me up on in the Insta DMS, but yeah, I'll throw in the show notes, uh, a book that was recommended to me. That's very practical and action oriented. If you're curious about the topic for listeners. It's called Speed and Scale. Uh, I think John Dewar is how you pronounce his last name, but really interesting. And uh, I'm not through it all, admittedly, because I'm getting so much content through the course. But uh, I've been loving just like the accessibility of it and uh, found it really interesting. That's Speed and Scale. Yeah, Speed and Scale. I, I don't want to... I don't want to it's sad that we're we're coming to a close, but um, man, just again, coming back to a feeling of gratitude. Thank you so much for being our North Star in this podcast. Yes, a lot of scrambling has been happening on my end behind the scenes, but you've always helped uh, shape the vision and where we want to go in these conversations. And I just appreciate all of what I've learned from you and doing the season together. And um, yeah, just super grateful. And 
excited and curious where we'll go next and what the future has for the Ikigai project. Right on. Yep. Great season. Thank you so much, Mark. We will uh, we will see everybody soon. Have a great rest of the summer and uh, fall. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. Special thank you to Hugh for the theme music. You can check them out at herehue.bandcamp.com. If you're interested in learning more about the Ikigai Project, you can check out the blog at ikigai.blog. And if you found this content useful, please subscribe or tell a friend or family member about this podcast. I'll see you next week for another episode of the Ikigai Project. Take good care for now, everyone. I need to feel love.